Do you like that, William? Welcome to this episode of the Weekly Watchlist, a pop culture uh, podcast. We've changed the, the intro music, which will make sense to everyone very soon. If yeah. anyone recognises that song, I'm sure they'll know where I'm going with one of my selections this week. But I'm Sean Peter Budge, and I'm joined, as always, by Will Peters. Not in person today. Unfortunately, we're back under lockdown. So Will is coming for, the, coming for a remote and secure location. Yeah. Are you in, down in Bayside. Are you, I was going to say, you didn't make a dash for the like metropolitan borders? You didn't do the... No, no. It's just, I, I'm too much of a homebody. <laughs> and I don't have a place to hook up my PlayStation in Villa Parliament today. So this oh, is the next best spot. People were crapping on about how, oh, you know, oh, look at all those people going down to Phillip Island. Oh, it's like, well, they probably have houses there. Exactly. Yeah, like, if you have built there... You can live there. You, you can live. be like, oh, I live here all the time. It's not like they're at no fixed address. It's not like they're sleeping on the exactly. beach. It's crazy. Like Dan Andrews is like, oh, you know, your primary place of residence. Who needs to know? Go, well, Gosh. I like to change where that is, Dan. Let's be honest. <laughs> Sometimes I like the penguins. Loopholes, <laughs> Dan. Loopholes. <laughs> Loopholes, Dan. Loopholes. You know, get it ipso facto. You know, you know, it's it's all very technical. Um <laughs> Basically, the premise of this podcast is Will and I convene once a week, if I remember. We did one last week, didn't we? Yeah. We did one last we week. We did, yes. yeah. The week yeah, before, yeah. I'd got my days in a muddle, so we were oscillating between Tuesdays and Thursdays. I don't know which is better. Will, like, Will's turnaround on this is far too quick for me. He wanted to do one on Tuesday, and I was like, I've literally not watched anything. <laughs> so <laughs> you got to give me more than three and a half days to come up with something to watch. But the basic premise of the podcast is inspired by Steven Soderbergh, very well-known director, who compiles a, a list, a diary of what he watches throughout the course of the year, which he releases at year's end. We do the same thing, but we do it weekly. Uh, and as we're about to go back into lockdown, hopefully, if you are listening, we can tell you or steer you in a direction, you know, to watch something worthwhile or, or perhaps, Will, as the case may be, avoid something like COVID. Just don't go yeah. near it as best yep, you can. Exactly. So uh-huh. that's that's the basic premise. We each pick uh, our highlights of the week um, for one reason or another, good or bad, and then discuss them. Um, I suppose we probably do the Twitter handles, the weekly watch list. You can find us there on Twitter, yeah, yeah. the weekly watch list. Uh, I'm at Sean Peter Budge, all one word, and Will is at, you can do it, Will. I, I'm not confident. We're at, we're at Willie P, with two L's, two Y's, two P's, and two E's. It's really got to reach when you start saying it yourself. You so know what? Get on it. The more you say it, I, I do, I will get it eventually. It's the two, where does the, <laughs> where does the double up start? I have like two W's, two I's, two Y's. Starts on the L's. Yeah, the L's. And like generally in William. There's two L's. Yeah. Two L's, two Y's, two T's, two E's. I wouldn't have two I's because then I'd be like, I wouldn't have two I's before the two L's. No. Because then it would just end up being like, we heal the Yeah, that'd be madness, William. It'd be madness. And it just sounds like I'm buffering. <laughs> oh, shit. It does sound like you're buffering, actually. Um, <laughs> well, I'll kick us off this week with my first selection. Please. And this is going to come left field, William. I'm going to hold it up to camera. I'll explain it. My first selection this week is the Denone... Ultimate yogurt that I'm currently eating. <laughs> Master yogurt makers, mango, best before 1st of August, so I'm well in. Um, it's a delight, and they're available from all major supermarket chains, $4.50 for four. That worked That's, out. 
I'm not much of a yogurt buyer, but it seems expensive. Well, you're paying for quality, William. And <laughs> it works out to about a dollar twelve and a bit per serve. Good for your good for your gut health. Very very good digestive. It's fair. it's a real treat. So Danone Ultimate or Ultimate by Danone. That's what the label says. That's not really my first selection this week. Is uh, <laughs> we speak about this man more than we should, and it was I laughed when I thought about this, and I thought we'd kick us off with this one in lieu of our new Stinger song. Josh yeah. Gad has been added uh, again. So jo- Josh Gad has a YouTube show called Reunited Apart, and it's quite a good idea. He basically gets on the Zoom call or FaceTime call with the casts of old movies, and the one yep. that he released late last week hit me right in the feels. Ferris Bueller. Right. Absolutely magnificent. So, Mm. you, Josh Gaddy is a friend of the program. We've made our thoughts clear about Josh (laughs) in the first first three episodes. Shout out to Josh if he's listening in. Shout out, Josh. Um, Maybe he's better at podcasts. Yeah. Yeah. Look, credit to him. We talk a lot about him. We hang shit on him a fair bit, but this was (laughs) excellent. Genuinely, good. genuinely excellent. He got uh, all the cast together, except for uh, Jeffrey Jones, who played uh, Rooney. You know, Rooney. Uh, um, he's he's now like a sex pest or something, or he had child pornography oh, or something. No, so he's good. he's persona non grata. So he wasn't yeah. there, but everyone else was there. Ferris, Sloan, Cameron, uh, Mum and Dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, who else? The dog. the dog was there. No, <laughs> rest in peace. Um, but it was absolutely awesome. A great trip down memory lane, uh, highlighted for me by uh, Matthew Broderick, who played Ferris, of course. Yeah. His awkwardness when his former girlfriend Jennifer Grey turned up on the stream, and it was like, it's like uh-huh. seriously, Ferris, mate, you guys dated thirty-two years ago. It's like just let it slide. You're different people. She doesn't even look like herself anymore because she had a nose job, famously. Yeah. She had a very distinct. But how'd you stumble across this? I legitimately don't know because I'd never watch anything by Josh Gad. I never search anything to do with Josh Gad, but it just popped up yeah. in my YouTube feed um, and it had literally aired, you know, like 12 hours before. So maybe it was just like a popular, it had been watched by a yeah. lot of people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it popped up in my feed and I thought, oh, Josh Gad. Ooh. But then I thought, I'll give, I, you, I'll give him a chance. I thought, I do like Ferris though. Do you like? Yeah. Is it worth it? That's what, that's my my rationale. My my train of thought was. I have to put up with him though. Maybe yeah. I could just watch the movie instead, which I did do afterwards. But, <laughs> um, for that particular sort of era of cinema, and they do a really brilliant, um, as good as a little catch up. It is. It is. It is pretty basic. It is what it has to be. They do some line readings. The cast yeah. sort of recreate some scenes. But then at the end of the show, which goes for about 45-odd minutes, um, they do the most brilliant tribute to John Hughes where the, the show yeah. is sort of over and you go, oh, it's really good. And they cut into um, a bunch of actors who were in his movies doing line readings, like doing classic lines. Yeah, yeah. And you got Michael Keaton doing Mr. Mum. you got um, Steve Martin does Planes, Trains and Automobiles, Chevy Chase does a bit from Vacation. Beverly D'Angelo does a bit from Christmas Vacation. Uh, Molly Ringwald does a bit from Sixteen Candles. Anthony Michael Hall does one from Breakfast Club, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, so on. It's, and it was a really touching you know, tribute to this guy who John Hughes passed away in 2009. He was just 59 years old. But 
an absolute like superstar storyteller who for a period in cinema could not could not miss and it's so yeah. rare, so rare creatively if you look at what he was churning out in the early to mid 80s even towards the late yeah. 80s hit after hit after hit after hit he wrote home alone you know he did breakfast club weird science some kind of wonderful um, 16 candles ferris bueller uh, like I said, Mr. Yeah. Mami wrote Vacation. Just an outstanding body of work for a guy who, for a particular generation... Yeah, Lampoons, I'm Alone, bloody hell. Well, Beethoven. Beethoven, well, yeah, of course, classic, how could we forget, Charles Grodin. Drill bit Taylor, interesting. That was one of the last things he wrote, and he wrote that under a non-deplume. Yeah. He didn't write that as John Hughes. He wrote a few things right. like that. He had a few, like a non-deplume where he would write the film but not be credited as John Hughes, but... Is that because he'd be like, uh... If Look, to be honest with you, it might have been a bit of both. It might have been a little bit of, I want to do something different. I don't don't want people to see John Hughes and think, you know, teenage slice of life, day in the life of, because that is what Uh he did and did absolutely brilliantly and did better than anyone has ever done is capture adolescence (laughs) and capture the high school experience. But it was just a stunning, like a really beautiful tribute to this guy who, for a particular generation of cinema watcher, uh, and and you're yeah. you're included, but you sort of go, you know of his films, but yeah. eleven years after his death, there's like a bit of a hole in terms of the recognition I think he deserves as a filmmaker and as a storyteller. Um, yeah, when people bring him up, they're like, oh, brilliant, made brilliant movies, but you're like, no one. People have tried. People have tried to ape him. People have tried to mimic him. People have tried to capture that Cameron Crowe did a bit of it you know fast times and dazed and confused but yeah and he made an okay fist of it but capture that fucking lightning in a bottle freaks and geeks have you ever seen freaks and geeks oh yeah ages ago brilliant um Franco and whatnot yeah and that's really early like Judd Apatow did that a guy called Greg Matola who went on to direct like um Adventureland and films have done it like films have captured it for scenes for acts as a one-off, mm-hmm. fucking John yep. Hughes did it in every frame of every film. And it's so mm. painfully, vividly real. But watching that reunited apart, particularly if you like John Hughes movies, if you love Ferris Bueller, which we spoke yep. about briefly last week, and I think it is one of the most watchable and re-watchable films ever made because uh, it just takes that concept, it takes that awesome... It's a chase movie. Yeah, it's a chase movie. We've seen hundreds of chase movies... But it's it's the low stakes. Like, it's funny when you, you watch it as a teenager or when you go to school, I'm not sure how you feel, but you're like, do you ever find yourself thinking, you know, X years after you've left school, just thinking, how fun would it be to go to school with, like, your current mindset and not be an asshole? Oh, like, not, yeah. not be an asshole, not be a prick, not be a, a complete douchebag, but just be like... Walk in, be like, you don't have to worry about that. Yeah. Just... Just don't yeah. sweat it. Don't sweat it. Don't sweat the small stuff. Have a good time. This is great. You're going to love it. Every day you yeah. come in, you see your mates. But just uh-huh. enjoy it as you would today. But back then you're fretting about assignments and you're fretting about uh-huh. the politics and you're fretting about yeah. getting in trouble. Mm-hmm. And, and Ferris Bueller is so awesome to watch because it plays into all that. The stakes are, oh, if he gets caught playing truant, maybe he has to repeat the school year. Yeah. Ah, shit. And at at 16, 17, 18, that is the most diabolical life sentence. Yeah. To feel like... If I do another year, that means I won't have a full-time job and family at 22. Ah, shit. 
but, <laughs> but it's like you sit there going, all my friends will move on, I'll be left behind. Yeah. And there's the indignity of being kept back a year and blah, 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 blah. But yeah. it's just such a brilliant movie that is funny. There's no fat on the bone. Runs a tight one hour 43. Toit. Toit one hour 43, William. <laughs> 103 minutes. Absolutely perfect. Um, so reunited the part, Ferris Bueller. And Ferris Bueller itself are my first picks for this week. And a really good tandem to watch one and then the other and sort of yeah. Just enjoy what was a really seminal film um, and is still to this day an absolute classic. Lovely. Over to you, William. I'm going to get back to my Danone, Danone yogurt. I guess I don't just hear you going... I'll try, I'll try not to. Fabian <laughs> Fabian on the Ian Prendercast is an absolute fucking shocker for like <laughs> drinking stuff into the mic. Sometimes he plays it up and you're yeah. like, yeah, you're doing it to annoy me. But sometimes he does it unwittingly, and you're like, it's just <laughs> fucking vile. Oh. Um, so my my first pick um, is two movies as a uh, series, not series. There's lots of them currently out at the moment. Um, classic uh, generational cinema, Jurassic Park 1 and 2. Okay. All right. Um, okay. I, you know, I saw these you know, 10, 15 years ago when they came out, not really noticing um, how much would have gone into it back in the day, 1993, the first one. Fun fact, um, fun, fun fact. Tell me. <laughs> so my dad, big, big fan of the book, loves all that science fiction type stuff. Yeah. And had read the book prior to the release. Well, actually, going back even further, Michael Crichton, who wrote the book, was was working yeah. with Steven Spielberg on something else. Literally, they were, they were doing, like, I don't know what it was, TV show or whatever. And yeah. Michael Crichton was a really well-known writer. But he and Spielberg were just having a meeting and they were just chewing the fat one day. And and uh, this was in the late 80s. And Spielberg said, oh, you know, what are you working on next? What do you got? You got anything in the pipeline? And Crichton sort of spitballed. He goes, yeah, I'm working on this thing and blah, 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 blah. And he kind of spitballed the basic idea. Jurassic Park. This is this book mm-hmm. I'm working on, blah, 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 blah. Spielberg optioned it in the room. <laughs> he hadn't even wrote the book yet, but Spielberg said, I want to I want to option the book now. Yeah. So just in case wow. it ends up being amazing, and he goes, oh, yeah, no worries, and he optioned the book in the room. Um, but Dad had read, uh, read it, et cetera, et cetera. I got the day off school to go and see Jurassic <laughs> Park. And we saw That's the so good. we saw the first session like nine a.m. nine thirty a.m. at Forest Hill Chase, um, yeah. which is where they used to film Neighbours when Neighbours went for went to the shops. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we went to the Hoyts at Forest Hill Chase opening day opening session. Fucking blown away. Continue. Oh, uh, yeah. So rewatching it, obviously we've had. Uh, I'm born in ninety four, so twenty. Six years, twenty-seven years since. You missed but it, man. You missed back it. Back in the day, uh, back, like I can, I wish I was my age now to watch this. I would have just been at the cinema, just like, holy shit, this is insane. Um, but yes, young, young Sam Neil. Um, you say young or, uh, Sam Neil? He was about early forties. Well, the Sam Neil that we have now. <laughs> oh, yeah. um, younger Sam Neil. Uh, <laughs> Middle-aged. Laura. Sam Neil. <laughs> No grades, Sam Neill. Uh, Laura Dern, who's been in everything. Pretty sure she's in Hunger Games. She used to be in Bruce, um, Dern, Bruce Dern's ball sack, too. 
Uh, and Jeff Goldblum, who, uh, who you know, speaks for himself, is very individual, to yep. say. Um, and I think the old dude, Richard Attenborough, is he related to David? Yes, they're brothers. No, I, yeah, I didn't know that. I, like, I, I looked up the cast and I was and, like, oh, it's Attenborough, oh, wow. Another fun fact about Richard Attenborough, he told, like, one of my, yeah. it's not even, like, I don't even mean to say favourite stories, but just a cool story. So he was born, he would have been born in maybe the 20s. I'm just yeah. Trying, I'm just trying to, I'll just look it up briefly. Um, so he, he and he and, uh, he and his brother David Attenborough, he was born in yeah. 1923 and he died yeah. in 2014. Richard Attenborough told this unbelievable story and you think about it and you just go, wow. And I, I just had to pause he was born just outside of London, like not crazy, crazy outside of London, but far, yeah. far enough outside of London in the 20s and 30s that going into town was a trek. It took like hours. Yeah. Uh-huh. And when he was little, when he was a little boy, his dad took him and David in to see Charlie Chaplin live. Yeah. And he just said it was the most, like you think of superstars today, yeah. like big actors, movie, music, etc. They went into London to see Charlie Chaplin live on stage. At his peak. And he said it was just the most, for a little boy, he goes, it was just the most unbelievable, oh, oh, wow. We go into town, which in itself is a big deal, go into London. Yeah. And see this guy who is still to this day one of the biggest stars the industry's ever seen. It was just phenomenal. But, um, Mm. yeah, he was, was, and he was great too. He was fantastic as uh, John Hammond's, no expense. Um, and it's just like little, I guess not cameos, but like notable people at the time. Um, you know, Sam Dale Jackson constantly having a cigarette in his mouth. Wayne Knight, Newman. Newman. Um, I just like, I honestly, it's just one of, again, we talked about this with a couple of things we've watched, but you see anything and he's Newman. Oh, yeah. Like. <laughs> he can't be anything um, but Newman. <laughs> exactly. Um, so yeah, watch the first one with Maddie, because um, she we watched the ones that came out in like 2015. I think there was another one in, like 2018 or something. We watched them. She really enjoyed them. So um, I wasn't really sure how she liked them, but yeah, she liked them. So we're rewatching them at the moment. Still to watch number three. Um, we watched a, number two as well. I've got a controversial opinion for you, Will. Please. I'm a big fan of Jurassic Park. Like I said yep. earlier, it was a very formative thing for me when I was five years old to go and see it at the cinema. And mm-hmm. um, it was a real step forward in terms of what was accomplishable on film. Now, if you, for yeah. people out there, if you love Jurassic Park, if you haven't seen it, and, and for Will yourself, if you haven't seen it, they're all over YouTube. There's making ofs and behind yeah. the scenes. Uh-huh. They were going to do it stop motion. They were going to do the animals, as you had to do the animals to that point, stop motion, yeah. clay sort of, you know, yeah. And it just wouldn't have worked. The reason the film worked, no. that first scene where you see the dinosaur in the cinema was like, in 1978, Superman came out and the whole thing, the whole marketing around Superman was that you'll believe a man can fly. Yeah. And you watch it now, you watch 1978, Richard Donner, Christopher Reeve, Superman today, and you're like, it's a bit hokey. Like it is. It's it's yeah. it's clearly <laughs> It's clearly wire works and all that. Yeah. But like Jaws had done, like Star Wars had done in 77, like Superman did in 78, there was this like uh-huh. touchstone moment of 
what we'd been shown. Yeah. It's like, holy shit. Oh, yeah. Like, there's a like now fucking see, dinosaur. Yeah, like, the ones that have come out in the last couple of years, you can see how, like, someone younger than yeah. us would have gone, oh, wow, like, holy shit, these things are really real. But back then, it would have just, it, like, as you saw when you went and saw it, it just would have been mind-blowing. There's this suspension and of what's cinema. I can understand is. how it's scary as well. There's this suspension of disbelief, too, where you're like, I know I'm watching a movie, but great, yeah. great films trick you into forgetting that or to forgiving that. And there's a really great line in, in Jurassic World, the first one in, in or the re, the first of the redone ones, where they yeah. they lean into kids are kids are over dinosaurs. Dinosaurs are old hat. Like, yeah. you know, we've got yeah. to, we've got to make them bigger with more teeth and et cetera, yeah. et cetera. That's why we have to start doing this. And it's a really fun like leaning into when I was five and saw Jurassic Park and just blown away. Nowadays, kids are so, so au fait with all that kind of stuff. There's special effects yeah. like that in every movie. They mm-hmm. see that with every movie. They see this stuff. But that was the first time it had been done. And, like, I think dinosaurs are on screen for, like, eight minutes of the movie. Yeah. But you don't care? Like, every time you see no. them, you're, like, going, shit. Yeah. How good is I that think going to die. But I've, I've got a controversial guess, opinion, William. I've got a very, yeah. having been a big Jurassic Park fan, like I said, when I was younger and Jurassic World, Jurassic Fever was everywhere. Um, in Maya, in the city, like the top floor of Maya had this big Jurassic yeah. Park, like toy shop. Yeah. Like it was such a huge deal. That Christmas I got, you know, the dinosaurs, got the cars, still got yeah, the yeah, yeah. it was great. So I'm a huge Jurassic Park fan. I reckon... Of the five Jurassic Park films that have been made to this point, ranking them, yeah, Jurassic Park is number one. That's just unimpeachable number one. Yeah, of course. There's a uh, there's a bit of a gap. There's some daylight. I'm, yeah. I'm putting Jurassic World: Fallen Kingdom at two. Fallen Kingdom is that the most recent? That's the most oh, recent no, the one. Second, yeah. I'm putting Jurassic World at three. Then there's more daylight. And yeah. then there's Lost World, and then there's yeah. like four days worth of daylight, and then there's Jurassic Park three. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of hesitant to go watch the three because I know of what the bad raptor has. And even the second one, it's a bit like, okay, yeah, of course you had another island to like you know procreate and get this environment going, blah blah. blah. But yeah, watching the most recent ones, I've really really enjoyed them. You know what's um, cool? Chris Pratt like, does a really good job. They just. You can't keep having a theme park. <laughs> like, they can't keep going back to a park, back to an island. It's like, we've fucking done this before. Yeah. And, somebody, and then somebody in the room would be like, don't fucking dare tell me there's another island. <laughs> it better not be another Why? fucking... There better not be another, like, an archipelago off Costa Rica. Yeah. More of these fuckers <laughs> running around. Don't you fucking dare tell me there's another island. And the audience gets tired of that too. So I kind of like the idea that in the last one, they take it off the island really early, and you're like, okay, cool. <clears throat> and then it becomes this really quite sensible, if you could do this with technology, you would clone things. Yeah. Like, it's it's a, it's it's fanciful, I get it. It's a movie, but like I said, suspension of disbelief. There mm. would be cloning. That's where the, the end game of the technology would be. There would be a black market. Yeah, 100%. You know, and that, that's where it goes. But... Um, did you see, what's it called, Battle at Big Rock? A 
love a big rock. It's a short movie. Um, came yeah. out last year, I think. It's basically right. a short movie set after the events of Fallen Kingdom, and they're making yeah. they're making a new one now. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of kind of set in between. It's just his family go on a camping trip and encounter some dinosaurs. Yeah, it's it's right. definitely worth checking out if, if anyone likes. No, we'll do. It only goes for eight or nine minutes, but I'm wrapped that you Enough. brought this up. I'm wrapped that you brought this up because I yeah. love Jurassic Park. I love the world. I, I my my list is good this week. I feel, really feel like I've got things that'll touch. I'll be the judge of that. Touch your touch your no. I can guarantee one is going to set you off. Oh, brilliant! Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, my my. Here you go. No, did you say? Did you have you haven't watched Lost World? You've watched Lost World. I've watched the most recent two. I haven't watched the third that came out in like 2001 or something, whatever it was. Okay, so you've watched you've watched four of the five. Yeah, I've watched one, two, four, five. Yeah, okay. See, see, Lost World was this thing where the book itself, the book isn't amazing, but it's like a better story. It's yeah. got a bit more industrial espionage in it. Dodson's uh-huh. in it. Dodson's in the new one. He's back. Dodson. Right. Dodson. Got Dodson here. <laughs> Um, but there's a bit more of that at play, and because the Lost World is, it's just King Kong. Yeah. You watch it, and you're like fucking yeah. King Kong. <laughs> what the fuck, Stephen? Mm. Stephen, <laughs> are you aware that you've just remade King Kong? Money, money. <laughs> he does the old <laughs> smell the money, smell the money. <laughs> well, I like that, William. I like that. I reckon yeah. it's a good start. Yeah, that's my my number one. Your number one watch is actually technically four movies. Yeah, to the end of the conversation, four movies. <laughs> you started off by saying yeah. it's two movies. It's actually yeah. two sets of two movies, four movies. Well, yeah, I watched yeah I watched the most recent ones years ago when they came out. Yeah. Alas, yeah. oh. Jurassic Park, great. You know what you should go back and watch too? You should add this. It's not Jurassic Park, Really at all, but um, after the success of Jurassic Park, or on the, I'll just have a look at when it came out, ninety three as well. So there was a film that came out in ninety three that kind of piggybacked on the success of or the uh, forecast success of Jurassic Park called We're Back, a Dinosaur Story, and Steven Spielberg produced it. It's an animated film. This was a big big deal because Jurassic Park was massive, and then. Where Back, a Dinosaur Story cartoon came out and yeah. was kind of like packaged as a companion, not related in any way, but whereas, like you said, Jurassic Park could potentially be a bit scary for kids, got some scarier moments. Um, yeah. This is a cartoon. This is like, this is totally for kids. Oh, yeah. It's very, uh, you know, John Goodman. Yeah. Yeah. Jay Leno. That's Love worth that. uh, very early 90s cast. Those two riding high on the success of Roseanne. And uh, and obviously, who's the other knobhead? Jay Leno, of course. He was, yeah. he was hosting a show you might be aware of, The Tonight Show. Oh, uh-huh. Aired every night, except Fridays. <laughs> well, I like that. Um, my my yeah. second pick this week, a couple of weeks ago I spoke about Rounders being a film that having worked at a, having worked at a video <laughs> shop, like the, the cover yeah. of Rounders is like seared into my my brain, just the cover. Yeah. Another such film is Biloxi Blues. So never heard of it. Never heard of it. So Biloxi no. Blues 
stars Matthew Broderick, who of course was in Ferris Bueller, and having watched Ferris Bueller and having watched Reunited Apart, there's a bit where I'd heard this story before. Alan Ruck, who played Cameron Fry in Ferris Bueller and Matthew Broderick, they'd starred in Neil Simon's stage play Biloxi Blues on Broadway. Yeah. And Alan Ruck has told the story before that Matthew Broderick played uh, Eugene, uh, the main character in Biloxi Blues, and he played um, Dan? I can't remember. The, like a, a, the fourth or fifth lead, like just in the company. And he told the story. Yes, um, they were auditioning for this film, Ferris Bueller. John Hughes is writing it. We're auditioning for it. And one night during a performance, um, Eugene, played by Matthew Broderick, who writes in a notebook, a diary all the time, who's mm-hmm. monologuing to the audience. And in his diary, he wrote down... Uh, they offered me Ferris and then put a dollar figure next to it and showed Alan Ruck, who was meant to be asleep next to him. So it was just a bit of fun that they'd worked on this play together and then they ended up being in this movie together. And I'd heard the story before, but when I heard it again in Reunited Apart, I thought, fuck it, I'll watch it. I haven't seen Biloxi Blues. Like Rounders, fucking cover is seared into my memory. <laughs> yeah, I actually think I've seen the cover before. And Looking it up, it's... Yeah, rings You're looking at it now. It's it's a pretty happy Matthew Broderick in his like army tank yeah. top, and he's sort of smiling at the yeah. camera. Pretty, you know. Mm-hmm. You look at the cover of that film and go, "Oh yeah, okay, Matthew Broderick, Ferris Bueller, yeah, cool, War Games, feel good, relatable, yeah, yeah, cool." The film is really nothing like that cover. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that it's bad. In fact, it's quite good. It's just. Yeah. The basic crux of Biloxi Blues is it's semi-autobiographical. The playwright Neil Simon, who is like unbelievable, like Neil Simon, like if you look at his body of work, um, great American playwright. He like he created the Odd Couple, which obviously went on to be an enormous success. Uh, he's got more, yeah. he's got more Tony and Academy Award nominations um, than any other man in history. Like together, obviously, mm-hmm. other people have got more Academy Award nominations and the like but in terms of tony's and academy awards collectively no one has got more nominations than neil simon he wrote mm-hmm. barefoot in the park um broadway band was obviously very successful he wrote the original um heartbreak kid and then he's done a whole lot of you know the out of towners which was an unbelievable success at the time um etc yeah. etc et like he's just phenomenal success mm-hmm. so this is a semi-autobiographical work where he was in the late 40s, right at the tail end of World War II, sorry, the mid-40s. He was sent to Biloxi in Mississippi to do basic training in the Army. Right. And the idea was he was there um, with his company being trained to be shipped out to northern Italy or the Pacific Theatre in the closing stages of the war, unbeknownst to them. And the war yeah. the war ends effectively before they can even... I don't even know if they finish basic training, but the war ends, so they're not needed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the play is basically just his like semi-autobiographical experience of basic training. And mm. like, it's fine. It's, it's a good movie. I can definitely see why it would work better as a play. You know, there's some things you watch it and you're like, oh yeah, this would be knockout. Yeah. On, as a play, the performances, uh-huh. and it's all about the, the art. It's all about the performance and the writing and the, the ebbs and flows. In cinema, you sort of lose a bit of that. Um, yeah. Like, have you, have, you seen, have, you, have you ever seen like a play or a musical? Yeah, hey, uh, yeah, my, my one of my first ones was Annie back in the day. So, um, you, so you know how, like, when, when when you see a musical, I keep on talking about it today. That suspension of disbelief—you allow yourself 
to sort of forgive the constraints of the stage. Yeah. So Biloxi Blues on the stage, I think, would be a lot more... I just think it would work better. I think that the material yeah. would work better on the stage. I think it would be fantastic on the stage. Whereas in the, in, the, in the cinema, on the screen, the way it's edited yeah. together, the way it's staged, literally, I just, just probably just loses a bit of something about it. Having said that, mm-hmm. Christopher Walken is brilliant. Christopher he, Walken? Christopher Walken. He plays um, uh, uh, Sergeant Toomey, who's like their, their instructor, their drill sergeant. Yep. And he's just eccentric and he's just brilliant. He's just so good. And he's not like, he's not like nasty. Like you see like um, full metal jacket or anything like that. He's not yep. nasty as such, but he's just a bit eccentric and a bit weird. Can occasionally Make get, you uncomfortable. Yeah. Can occasionally get a bit threatening here and there, but nothing too bad. But he's, he's the standout performance of the film. He's absolutely brilliant. And I actually felt bad. I looked up, I was like, oh, did he get nominated for anything or did he get... I know he didn't win, but I was like, geez, did he get nominated? He didn't get nominated for anything. No, I can't say like, anything. And I was like, oh, wow, man, you're my fucking stiff ass. Because, like, <laughs> I was like, you're actually really, really excellent. And I was like, how did you miss out on getting any kind of, uh, you don't have to win, but just get a bit of a nod mm. of, geez, you were good in that movie, Chris. You're not going to win. but just we'll, a, Yeah, at least just a nomination. I'll give you a nomination just to recognise you were really, really good. But... Yeah, Biloxi yeah. Blues, uh, like I said, I've seen the cover hundreds of times um, and I finally gave it a watch the other night and it, it is good. Um, however, I wouldn't necessarily rush out to go watch it if you hadn't seen it. Um, <laughs> I'll, just, I'll keep it in the uh, back catalogue yeah. and if it comes across my Netflix recommended. I'll, uh... I mean, you know, we are under lockdown, so I mean, we might be getting desperate in a couple of weeks, <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> Yeah, look, it's, it's a, it, was, it was an interesting film to watch after so long, but um, like I said, I'd probably be keen more than anything to see perhaps the stage adaptation more than I would the, yeah, yeah, the yeah, movie yeah. itself. What is your number yeah. two? Are you in number two, William? Yes. Um, yeah, my number two is a movie that I've watched, I think, you know, probably like a month or two ago. I just blatantly forgot about it. It came up again in my YouTube recommended something about it. And I was like, oh, yeah, true. I did watch that. So I added that to the list. Um, a one a movie that got, you know, a couple of write-ups as it got released and people were saying, you know, go watch it. It's one of the Netflix movies of the year. Mm. Um, Extraction. Di- what? Chris Hemsworth. Extraction. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, enjoyed it. It's... You know, it's not a movie lover's movie, but if you just want to sit down and watch some blood, guts, action, driving, muscly men, sweaty men. Uh, just watch Magic Mike. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, it's a it's a classic blood and guts written up movie. It's, I wasn't amazed by it, um, and the end is very cliche. Spoiler alert! Um, it gets to the end, and there's this little joke how they're in a pool not a joke it's like a little kind of uh side story um with the kid that he's extracting have you seen it no <clears throat> is this the uh, it's from what i've heard i haven't seen it um i'm not against seeing it I, I will probably watch it at some point but it's the is he a he's a stunt man the director and he did he work on the marvel films i reckon joe russo one of the russo brothers like yes no yes he did yep yeah and it's a bit um, i've heard it's a bit john wicky Quite, yes, quite. 
Um, and it's just like, you know, he's, you'll see it anyway. He does eventually get shot. It starts with him at the start of the movie getting shot. But like, it's just, he, you know, avoids everything and then he's slicing people's necks and then he's karate. Ch- it's just like, it's crazy. And then at one point he's beating up kids, um, which is pretty funny. Uh, but yeah, Tyler Rake. So he keeps his Aussie accent, which is good. I always like seeing a big Aussie accent in a big budget film. Um, and he basically just has to rescue or extract a rich Indian drug lord's kid, mm-hmm. I think. Um, so, you know, it's it's a, it's, a, it's a watchable movie for a certain crowd. I watched this, I watched it with um, Maddie's family and her mum's quite anything gore. Doesn't, doesn't sound like a great um, family watch. No, but there was me, Maddie's dad. Maddie didn't mind watching it. Um, but we, like me and her dad wanted to watch it. So I would just sit down and watch it. And the whole time, oh, geez, oh, God. Oh, that's, oh, oh God, fuck. <laughs> so um, it was, you know, it was pretty funny and to watch it with a different crowd. Um, but, you know, if you, again, we're going back into lockdown. If you literally can't find anything, um, and you love a bit of, you know, rough and tumble action thriller, um, give it a watch. It's a, it's a 6.8 out of 10 on IMDb. I'd probably give it a 6. Okay. Well, it's a pass. Um, yeah, but it's nothing, nothing amazing. You know, it sounds a bit um, like, I like, I remember when it came out, I remember reading some reviews and I was, until you mentioned it, I was actually, I was going to watch it and I was like, yeah. I just forgot about it. Yeah. Um, so I will catch up with it at some point, um, just because of who was involved, and it sounded like an interesting. Mm-hmm. I think it's been greenlit for a sequel as well. I think I, I remember reading. Oh, it um, has to. Yeah, Netflix were pretty happy with it. Happen. So, yeah. um, but I remember if you like a really good like guys movie, and this has become like a genre recently. <laughs> um, yeah. 100%. Taken started it. Yeah. Like in two thousand eight, I think that came out. Taken really lit a fire under this particular style of movie. These these sort of styles of movies had been made for a while, but Taken really lit a fire under studios to go, fuck, there's a market for, like, just gritty, like, brutal action films um, mm-hmm. that, that have got a bit of style, a bit of panache about them. And then yeah. John Wick came out. I think the first John Wick would have been 14, maybe, 2014. Um, yeah. And just took it to the next level, like this sense of mm. s- like super choreographed, super slick, like brutality. Yeah. Like films like Rambo have done it. Like the last Rambo film was da, 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 da. The, that that Rambo yeah. film was just taken way too far. Like it's there's violence. Yeah. There's violence in a John Wick film, which is violent. Like yeah. he, he kills the guy with a book and stuff like that. And you're yeah. like, or in the in the the last John Wick, you know, the guy gets kicked by a horse and it's really visceral and you're like, oh, oh my God. In that last Rambo film and then the, and the Rambo film before that, it it's almost like it's just too much. Yeah. Like you're watching it. All going, right, we get Jesus, it next. Mate. Come on, okay. Oh, yeah, okay. These people are dying in such awful, <laughs> awful ways. And you're just like, I don't need mm. to see this. Yeah, they're bad, but fuck, <laughs> man. Um, mm. But a film that kind of not doesn't get praised, but is sort of off the beaten track like that. Have you ever seen The Punisher, the Thomas Jane one? Um, oh, I 
think of that's a series, isn't it? No, so the, the the TV series is excellent. The Punisher TV series that stars John Bernthal yeah. as the Punisher. Yeah. Thomas Jane was in like an adaptation. There's been several. Dolph Lundgren did one in the late or the early nineties, late eighties, which was fucking woeful, like just <laughs> atrociously Dolph. bad. Um, yeah. Shout out to Dolph. You'll always be my He-Man. Um, <laughs> but the part of what year was it? Early two thousand. John Travolta was in it. But there were moments in that film that just hit the action button like right on the nose. It was gritty, yeah. like he was the fight choreography was great. It was like really visceral. It was really like born sort of like in that you're kind of in the fight. And then films like Extraction, like John Wick, like Taken, heaps um the equalizer with Denzel. Yeah. That's sort of, good. That's sort of a subgenre too, isn't it? That's like late middle age action heroes. <laughs> Yeah, that's James. We were talking about Jason Statham the other week, I think. Um, and I think he's like, that's, that's his next, that's his next genre coming from, you know, going, yeah. Uh, Shaw and Hobbs was his last, like, yeah. big action. Then now he'll go to, like, yeah, saving a daughter or yeah. a son or, like. He can't save yeah. the world, but if you need him to save one person, <laughs> he'll be yeah. able to do that. But, yeah, that's, like, become a, a subgenre. Where you've got like Denzel yeah. and Liam Neeson for like the plus fifty crowd, they're like, I know who these guys are, <laughs> and I, I want to like watch Neeson's them. On his, on his way out, though, Neeson's and I want to watch them like, kick ass. <laughs> <laughs> I saw, I saw Rob Roy. And now I want to watch him beat up some Algerian terrorists, <laughs> or you know Denzel. Mm. I saw Glory. I saw Philadelphia. Yeah. Now I'm in the mood to watch this guy kick ass. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, Extraction. And, you know, cast is re- it's literally Chris Hemsworth. And then, oh, wow. I just realised that twins play the kid. It's not as much the kids are young. Brian and Ryder Leroy. Um, so, yeah, twins play the son. Try and pick that when you watch it. Um, but, yeah, it's literally, I, I would assume given it is based in India. Um, I would assume that it's all just kind of uh, noted Bollywood actors, actresses. Um, So it might do something for them. It might, you know, bump up their credits. Um, But yeah, decent watch. Nothing too much to talk about. Um, Bit of a filler movie in a day. I I had a couple hours to to kill. So, yeah. You make an interesting point, because, like, just looking at the cast, they're clearly... um, an Indian bent more or less because it's based in India and that's that's totally fine. But yeah. sometimes sometimes we can forget, and I'm guilty of this, you go, oh, geez, it's a bit of a no-name cast. But then you're like, there's a billion Indians. Exactly. They'll be like, Rude Rakesh Jisaiwal, oh, my God. What? <laughs> what? His last Randy film was Buda? excellent. Oh, I love that guy. <laughs> Together in the same movie? Yeah, like that sort of stuff. Like um, the market for this would be, Enormous. Oh, the extras was to be ridiculous. Like it doesn't even matter. Like what you and I think of this film, or what an American audience thinks of this film. Fucking keep your opinion to yourself. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Exactly. We've got a billion Indian fanatics who like yeah. it. Um, like if, yeah, it's like it's like when you ever see like a cricket post, cricket Australia, cricket anyone, always a bunch of Indians commentating, and they are they are so opinionated that they would love it. Oh, I'd yeah. assume they'd be all over it. it. And it's good because, like, yeah. you know, it's actually funny you mentioned um, you had a really 
without wanting to get too bogged down, I don't know if we mentioned it the other week, but your Jurassic Park uh, talks and then talks of this Bollywood stuff. Um, Irfan Khan, who played Mr. Mizrani, uh, unfortunately yeah. passed away a couple of weeks ago, yeah. um, which was a shame because he was, he was like an absolute like Bollywood superstar. Like you can't, yeah. you cannot possibly um, overstate like how fucking big a star this guy was. Um, and he had, I think he might have had cancer, which was a shame because he was uh, everything he turned up in, he was really, really good. So um, okay. it's sad to hear of his passing. And, in peace. and he was great too. Like if you think about Jurassic World, he was really cool because his characterization wasn't just of this like up his own ass rich guy. He was like this yeah. fantastic philanthropist, and it was a really interesting mm-hmm. characterization that he's he's not the he's the boss, but he's not a bad guy. He's yeah. actually you know he wants everyone to be able to enjoy the park, and he wants to show kids a world of wonder and blah blah blah. But uh, yes, that was very sad. Uh, Irfan Khan passed away. He's been in a whole bunch of stuff, and um, obviously an absolute superstar in Bollywood. So you're giving you said you gave Extraction a six out of ten. Yeah, she's got it. Okay, I like it. Uh, my next one. Now, this is something I'd heard about. Came out last right. year. There's been two seasons of this show. Um, the first season last uh-huh. year, and then a newer season this uh, this year. Harley Quinn. I had heard about yeah. this. This is a cartoon, a DC oh. DC cartoon. Kaylee Cuoco, right. who of course was uh, Penny on The Big Bang Theory. Yeah, she voices Harley Quinn. This right. is. Excellent. This is not a kids show. This is this is not Harley Quinn. Initially, I thought a Harley Quinn cartoon. Yeah, they're trying to Margot Robbie's obviously Harley Quinn's a big character at the moment. They're just trying to cash in and give her her own show and you know introduce young girls, but introduce young kids to an accessible version of this character to kind of get her yeah. on their radars. This show is not made for children, and it is. <laughs> Fucking awesome. It is so good. In the very first scene of this show, she uh, breaks a guy's femur with a hammer. Lovely. Uh, the, the Joker turns up and incinerates a whole bunch of people with a flamethrower <laughs> uh, after ripping his face off and revealing himself not to be those people's friend. But he's killed that guy right. and taken his head. Yeah. yeah. It, it yeah. is It is dark. It is, it is like razor funny. Um, yeah. <laughs> there's a bit where... All these great DC cameos, like uh, Diedrich Bader, um, who's been using Drew Carey. He's been in a bunch of stuff. He, he voiced Batman on the Brave and the Bold cartoon. He voices Batman here. Um, there's, right. there's Wonder Woman has a little cameo. Poison Ivy plays Harley Quinn's. She's Harley Quinn's friend, and she stays with her. And um, mm-hmm. Like I said, the Joker's in it. Riddler turns up. Bane turns up. Two-Face. All these big, great Lex Luthers in it. Superman's in it. Lois Lane. Yeah. It's like a... a, a Pretty much every DC character turns up at some point or another to interact. There's a bit where this sort of second-tier villain, Dr. Psycho, is fighting Wonder Woman. And excuse my language, but it's it's the joke. He calls her, um, they're like, it's being filmed on television. Like, you know, Wonder Woman doing battle in the streets with Dr. Psycho. And Dr. Psycho refers to her as a cunt. <laughs> and, it ends up, and it ends up becoming this, like, he's got to be, he has an image problem. Right. Where everyone's like, "How dare you use that word to to refer to anyone?" But that's sort of <laughs> the level of humor that sort of permeates the show. It is so funny. It's so well yeah. done. They kind of lean into. Did you see Birds of Prey? 
Uh, that's the, like standalone. The newest one. No, no, I never saw it. Did you see Suicide Squad? Yes. So Harley Quinn as a character is actually quite problematic to make like a big deal of because mm. she's in a toxic, like domestic, like a, like a uh, violence against women, domestic abuse. She's in an yeah. awful relationship with this guy that yeah. she can't escape from. So to make her credible, you sort of have to try to pull her away from the Joker because her interacting or being with the Joker actually sends a horrible, horrible message about being in an abusive relationship and and whatnot. Yeah. Now, um, Suicide Squad did a really good job of kind of balancing that. She was kind of pulling away from it. And then Birds of Prey, I think, kind of went the wrong way about it. What this cartoon gets so right that Birds of Prey just got completely wrong is the characterization of Harley Quinn. She is... She can be a feminist icon, mm-hmm. but she has to retain her agency because without her agency, she's under the thumb of this man in an awful relationship. She's and not crazy, yeah. No, and then the other part of that is she's actually quite a sexualized character. Mm. And there's oh, no, yeah, very. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like the shot in Suicide Squad was done brilliantly where she's getting dressed. Yeah. And, and everyone's like ogling her and she sort of looks around and goes, what? And she's like, you know, you look, and you're meant, yeah. to, you're meant to look at her and go, like, you you are and beautiful. You're, yeah, you're, I'm sure you're, if, like, like you're I'm sure crazy. if she, like, the, I'm sure if she was doing, like, um, if she was, you know, walking around in, like, long skirt, big high boots, not showing any skin, people wouldn't be, cl- like, cosplaying her. That's and, it. It's exactly yeah. the point. Like, you have to lean into... That moment in Suicide Squad's great. She's got like the hot pants on, and like you can see her midriff. And you meant to, you're meant to go, you are crazy, but you're fucking yeah. beautiful. <laughs> but that's the point yeah. of the character. And then in Birds of Prey, yeah. they kind of went, they went too far the other way to say, no, we don't, we don't, we don't want it to really, we don't want to play into that too much. Yeah, and you're like, it's a fucking pillar of the character. Yeah, you can't destroy it. And it's how you retain that. I understand it's 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 a fine line to walk, but. When you take all that stuff away from the character, you sort of not really. It's like Harley Quinn in name only. It sort of doesn't work. Um, but look, I, I love this. It's really great. I've watched. Uh, I think there's two seasons of thirteen episodes. I've watched four episodes of the first season. They classic, you know, twenty twenty two minute run times. Great fun. Yep. Totally unexpected, like mm-hmm. sense of humor and a really appreciated sense of humor. Uh, Alan Tudyk, who's a great actor. Um, mm-hmm. Most people these days would know him as he was uh, the pirate in Dodgeball, um, and he was he was K two S O in Rogue right. One. He voices uh-huh. the Joker, and he voices a bunch of other characters, and he's he's really uh, cool. great. Um, like I say, give it a go. It's it's obviously not gonna be for everyone, like every show, no. but really, really highly recommend if people like Batman, if they've got a bit of a passing fancy for Harley Quinn as a character. This is not a kid show. It's a cartoon, mm. but it's fucking not a kid show. What's it on? What's it like? How'd you? Uh, I acquired it legally, of course. Um, <laughs> uh, I think it's on HBO Max. Right. But you would be able to track it down fairly okay. easily. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's, it's actually funny. Like like last week, I didn't, I didn't. It was on my list, but I didn't talk about it. It was funny that this came across yeah. my radar because I watched. Um, While well, speaking about Batman briefly, I watched. 
what was it called? Heart of Batman, which was this doco um, that Warner Brothers have been live streaming like old bonus material did like features on their YouTube yep. channel, obviously stuff that they've produced for DVDs that's now 10 plus years old. And Heart of Batman is about the Batman, the animated series classic cartoon, mm-hmm. which is phenomenal, outstanding. And Harley Quinn was um, probably that, that show's greatest gift to Batman was she was created for that show. So uh, it's just one of those funny things that watched it last week and end up watching this show and you kind of get to see that 25-odd years after her creation, she's kind of really found, both on the big screen and now particularly the small screen, has found a good footing. But like I said, Kaylee Cuoco is really good fun as Harley Quinn. Uh, Lake Bell, uh, she's Poison Ivy. She's she's really good as well. The tone of the yeah. humour, if it gets the groove with you, you'll love it. Um, I really highly recommend giving it a watch. Wow, nice one. An adult cartoon. It's, and not of the it's very much like oh, well, I found myself watching it thinking it's almost by no means is it the exact same as these shows but you know how these shows nowadays like Family Guy sort of did it a bit but Bob's Burgers Bojack Horseman Archer Rick and Morty yeah. they're not kids shows no but they're definitely made, Maybe, yeah. they're made for kids who are like they're made for people my age who are like really little when The Simpsons was on yeah of course so it's a funny that thing. You still, still want to cling onto a cartoon. Yeah, you sit there going, cartoons yeah. for me are really accessible because I used to watch them, so I get them as a medium. So I'm more receptive <laughs> to want to watch them. And in this case, it's, it's absolutely worth a watch. Very, very highly recommend. Well, I think uh, my third pick is just really, you're, you're going to love it. Excellent. I can't wait. You said that uh-huh. earlier, and I was been waiting for it. It's got some of, my favourite scenes in cinema, one of your definite favourite scenes in, in cinema, um, and a great little rivalry within the movie that is hilarious and provides another great scene. Um, is it the, king, is it the king of Kong? No. Is it The Prestige? No. Is it Talladega Nights? No, similar humour. Similar humour. Is it Step Brothers? No, it is Hot Rod. Oh, my God. <laughs> I would have got there eventually. No, no, please. I don't want to speak too much. Hot Rod is outstanding. <laughs> so um, I watched this. So thankfully, uh, Maddie's family has Foxtel. So occasionally I'll just kind of browse through if I'm the only one there. Um, and Foxtel gave people all the channels for like the last two or three months. Um, for people that didn't have all the channels. So there was a, some movies on, and I was just kind of flicking through. I was like, oh, my God, bloody hot rod. Like, this, <laughs> this is the greatest thing ever. So I came into it, I think, half an hour in. So I missed the first bit, but I went back and watched the first bit because it was such a fucking funny movie. Um, some of the scenes we were talking... So, of course, uh, hot rod, for those who don't know, um, I just got a little tangent there just because we love it so much. But uh, done. it's directed by Akeem. Um, Akiva, who is one third of the Lonely Islands, of course, being Andy Sandberg and is it Yorma? I've forgotten Yorma Tacone or something. Um, he, or had very, a, he had a very, very good name. cameo in um, Brooklyn Nine Nine as the manager of the the fun, you know, the the fun centre. <laughs> yeah, actually, yes, I do remember that. Um, and so, yeah, I think even in the description. 
self-proclaimed stuntman Rod Kimball is preparing for the jump of his life because he's 15 buses to raise money for his abusive stepfather Frank's life-saving heart operation. And but, why, William? but why, William? Why is he raising money to give Frank a heart transplant? It's just, it's, and like, the the scene where (laughs) it's just like, you know, I'm level headed, you know, Uh, and then the mum's like, don't argue. And and then he turns to Frank and he's like, I know know you're trying to set me up. (laughs) Hits him in the face. And it's like, (laughs) I like it when he would would lean in, like, Frank's like on his deathbed, he's lying on the couch or whatever, and he like goes right up to him and goes, because I want to beat your ass, and stuff like that. <laughs> it's because I love you. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so, of course, you got Isla Fisher, um, who's Australian, isn't she? She the is. She She is. Um, yeah, and Bill Hader, of course, Danny McBride, who are always hilarious. Um, they have that... I, I don't think a lot of people love it that much, but I love the scene where they're in front of that thing that's like a little shop or something and uh, Yorbert Capone who plays Kevin is he the, the, he's just a, like a neighbour or a friend yeah he's just one of his friends isn't he yeah um, who plays like I guess they're playing like you know younger people but they're dancing in front of the van like two hearts two hearts and then um, and then Daddy McBride like slants into the car and I was like I watched this with Maddie and I guess it was very tainted to my so yeah. to our sense of humour. And I was just teasing myself a bit and I kinda of look at her and be like, Huh? Huh? Finally, yeah, huh? Um But yeah, I it's just such a brilliant movie. You got you got Will Arnett who plays um the love interest or like who Isla was Isla Fisher was originally going out with. Um and there's that scene in the they're in the bar. It's like Sully? Is that Sully? And then and then Isla Fisher and Andy Samberg's characters start kind of getting a bit closer. Um, and, of course, probably the most iconic scene <laughs> from the movie uh, is, is, the, is the, the falling through oh the forest. Oh, my God. The dance in the forest. So basically, they rip off, not rip off, but they deliberately spoof uh, Footloose. Yeah. So he goes, into the, <laughs> he goes into the forest to, like, you know, dance away his anger. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that scene, like, that half of the scene is very funny. It's just, and it's just so like they do it the what same way kind of the, family guy just go a little bit long but what about when he's on the pommel horse and he's like doing the like he's doing like swinging like doing the gym yeah. apparatus it's it's hilarious <laughs> and then I showed that to my my sister and brother-in-law and Ben Ben was sort of like had a bit of a smile he was like oh yeah yeah Aaron was sort of like giggling but the bit where he goes oh shit and he starts falling down the hill <laughs> he trips <laughs> And there's, it's just, I'm going to try to do it with my mic, but it's the phone. It's like, ah, ah. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, it's just, ah, ah. I don't know. Andy Samberg is just a genius. He is, if I ever got a chance to meet him, I'd probably have no words. Um, he's just hilarious in anything he does. Um, this film, one I, of, yeah. I, I don't know if you're, as, I don't know if you're as big a fan of it as I am, but this film as a natural, like, Siamese twin, conjoined twin, films that are just... I think it was actually... I think this film was written... This film was written and directed by Yorma Takone, MacGruber. 
Yeah. Mag- <laughs> a, a MacGruber hot rod. I will suck as many. T- I will. <laughs> a MacGruber hot rod double bill is like oh. cult classic comedy double bill. Comedies that no one has seen, but if you've seen them, if they get you, like if they just if they just nail MacGruber to this day and hot rod. Yeah. I reckon, I reckon about 3% of people I know would have seen either of those movies. Hot Rod's, I think, a little bit more popular. Tiny bit but more, yeah. yeah. MacGruber, I've, literally the only, you showed me MacGruber, and I've never met anyone that's watched MacGruber. Even heard of it, let alone seen it. <laughs> like, this film, like Hot Rod, Hot Rod and MacGruber are, like I said, they're, they're, they're bedfellows. Like, they are the perfect comedy double bill. When people talk about, we spoke about like super bad and stuff a, a couple of weeks ago. Super, yep. f- unbelievably funny, Judd Apatow stuff. That yep. defining mid two thousands comedy, even stuff you know Vince Vaughn and Owen Wilson, unbelievably funny films. Yeah, MacGruber and Hot Rod, pound for pound. <laughs> Are just as funny as any. What about the bit in MacGruber? He goes, "Nice car, dickhead." He goes, "Fuck <laughs> you, KFBO." <laughs> so there's a scene in, Mac- in MacGruber where he's driving this piece of shit old, like red convertible. <laughs> this guy dri- drives past him and says, "Nice car, dickhead." MacGruber spends the rest of the film. He writes down his number plate, and MacGruber spends the rest of the film like, like. Fantasizing about finding this guy's car. <laughs> and, like, try to try to find it. Remember when Ryan Philippe? So MacGruber's got this notebook of clues, and Ryan Philippe, who plays his like off offsider in the army, finds MacGruber's notebook of clues, and he opens it up, and he's flicking through it, and it's just this guy's number plate <laughs> written hundreds and thousands of times. Fuck you, Oh shit! Uh, it's, it's so good. Hot Rod and MacGruber. If you have not seen them, you need to give them a chance because they, they are, are like <laughs> brilliant. They are. They need to be one of the four pillars of movie comedy. You know, Two of the four pillars. You know what's funny? Like you think about it with the popularity of something like <clears throat> like Brooklyn Nine Nine nowadays. Yeah. And then the Lonely Island will obviously be unbelievably popular. Um, yeah. You, you, part of my hope is that, like, if people like that kind of stuff and they aren't aware of MacGruber Hot Rod, it's like this is sort of where those guys' comedy kind of started. Yeah. Like, they're on, obviously, Sandberg and, and I think, I don't know if, if, if Akiva and um, Yorma wrote for Saturday Night Live, but they did a fair, they did, like, Dear Sister on Saturday Night Live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they did a, yeah. a lot of stuff on Saturday Night Live. I don't know if they were, like, writers. Probably probably most famously the Jews in my pants. Exactly right. So, like, they did a lot of yeah. stuff that they would know about, but yeah. in terms of cinema, like, those two films are kind of their leaping off points. Um, yeah. Well, it's probably, the, it's probably the same thing with something a bit more locally, with, like, Hamish and Andy. Mm. Right, like, Ryan Shelton, he went to school with Hamish, but... Anything early days, Rove, even before Rove, after Rove, like stuff for the radio show. I think he, I think he's a hand in the in producing the podcast for them. Yeah, he's like obviously Hamish and Andy get the money there on their six million dollar deals to have a podcast. Um, but like he, like he is a 
he is such a important piece in their little thing that they got going. And it, it'd be the same with Yoma and Akiva. Um, saying Akiva sounds weird. Is it Akiva? I don't know. Akiva, yeah. But anyway, like, but, um, it's a bit like when when George Lucas was doing Star Wars, and I don't know if I've told this story before, but there was a guy who was a producer. His name was Gary Kurtz. And Gary Kurtz was a producer on the first two. He didn't do Return of the Jedi. But um, there's a really interesting what if. What if he had stayed on to produce Return of the Jedi? Because this he was like this sounding board that Lucas clearly had unbelievable ideas. But sometimes you need other people to help realise them, to sort of mould them, to kind of go, geez, that, that thread's really interesting. We need to explore that. And it yeah. doesn't mean that they've come up with the idea, but like you were saying with a guy like Ryan or, or Yorma and, and Akiva with, with Andy Sandberg, Andy Sandberg's the guy we all know. Yeah. You know, the general public know Andy Sandberg, yeah, yeah, yeah. But those other two guys, they're, they're so important to the overall flavour oh, of the comedy. But no, nah, no, nah, Hot Rod is fantastic. Absolutely love it to death. Um, such a fun little made in a summer movie. Yeah, like literally, definitely. literally made in. They probably made it in four or five weeks. Um, yeah, phenomenal. And then MacGruber is a little bit bigger movie. It is a it is a bigger film. Yeah, um, but same sort of idea. Fuck that bit where he goes to the club, and he goes, and he's like, he's meant to be <laughs> MacGruber's meant to be undercover, and he goes, he's, what does he say? He just barges in and goes, because I'm looking for Dieter von Kant. <laughs> And uh, he just basically outs himself and outs the whole program. <laughs> I'm not good with clues. I'm not good with plans. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, crap. MacGruber. I'm going to have to rewatch MacGruber. I haven't played it. And, the, and the, bit you, the bit you said brilliantly where he's like, he keeps on, he goes, I'll suck as many, rip as many throats. <laughs> <laughs> oh. He's got some like big distraction thing where he puts. Oh my god! Undresses and puts a piece of salary in his oh. arm. What about when he? What about when he's recruiting his team? He's recruiting his team of like crack commandos, and they're all like great Carly, Mark Henry, Chris Jericho, yeah. former wrestlers, and um, and he goes to meet Chris Jericho, and he goes because you ski. Because you're keeping your bod pretty tight. He goes, yeah, you too. He goes, I guess you have to when you're carrying around a 24-inch python. <laughs> oh, he goes, you're still same old MacGruber, still making dick jokes. Go make them. Go make them because you laugh. Fucking hell, it's um, <laughs> So, yeah, uh, Hot Rod and Fire Association, MacGruber, get oh. on it. Hilarious film. I'll probably watch. Don't. I reckon I'll watch one of those tonight. I've got the idea. I think uh, I don't know if it's on. I think, I think I've got it. I reckon I've got it. You uh, probably have. Yeah, I reckon yeah, I've got, got it. Some. I've definitely got MacGruber. Um, I just have it on Blu-ray and I lost it. It's the most depressing thing ever. I was like, oh, the films ever. Yeah, mate, you could buy that on Blu-ray. For, they're probably giving them away. Oh, now they are. But at the time, I was like, this is like my pride and joy. That's one Wait. of those films that, like, you know, you have friends over. And they're looking at your, your DVDs or whatever. That's one of those films that you're like, most people would would see it and they'd be like, "Fucking hot rod." Hot rod. They'd be going, "What the hell is that?" 
Emil, let me tell you. <laughs> that's when they look around and you're putting it in the DVD going, how about we just watch it? <laughs> you got a spare 85 minutes? <laughs> However long it runs for. And then, <laughs> and we just there like mimicking the lines. Like, <laughs> you paying attention? This bit, funny bit's coming up. You paying attention? Yeah. It's so good. So good. Hot Rod. Right. Love it, love it, love it. Six, three, Hot edition. Rod, 2007. That might be... That might be one of your better suggestions, to be honest. 88 yeah, minutes. Yeah. It goes for 88 minutes. Tight. Tight 88 minutes. Tight. That's brilliant. Um, That's probably with credits as well. Yeah, it would be. So it actually probably runs for, 80, <laughs> it probably runs for 82 minutes. <laughs> it's like an average length of a Disney film. Um, yeah, easy. Love it. Now, like I said, I reckon that might be your best one yet. Big fan. My my final one of this week, I think I spoke about it very briefly a week or two ago, maybe in passing. If not on pod, I certainly mentioned it to Will. But this is something, particularly with lockdown coming up, uh, I, I think I watched it during the last lockdown and I watched it um, a little bit of it the other night just for something I'm working on. Class of 92. Now, just for a bit of context, sports docos Please. are all the rage at the moment. You know, the test, the last yep. dance. Um, uh-huh. uh, what's the other one? Drive to Survive. Fly on the wall sports docos, all the rage. Yep. So class of ninety Manchester United footballers. Here we go. Yeah. Yep. So class of ninety two originally was a a little documentary made to celebrate, um, to build, if you will, the brand. All these docos have an ulterior motive. Uh-huh. Gary Neville, Phil Neville, Paul Scholes, Nicky Butt, and Ryan Giggs um, are all share the moniker of the class of ninety two. This this legendary Manchester United. Underage team, um, and all of Thank them. Thinking about what a fortunate name. Yeah, well, but all of them went on to become, you know, really good players for Manchester United, play internationally, yeah. win lots of honours, and be an important part of like a really good team. And they all grew up, uh, like, in Manchester. They were all local boys playing for their team, just happened to be Manchester United. So in uh, 2013, they released Class of '92. This just this doco, sort of just generally about their careers and their lives which was quite well done, you know, good watch, particularly if you follow the team. And then <clears throat> the plan revealed itself. These five, along with a, a man by the name of Peter Lim, who's a, I think he's a Thai billionaire, they bought, uh-huh. uh, Peter Lim had a 50% share, the other five had a 10% share each. They bought non-league Salford City. So Salford is, is basically a, a little suburb, just outside of Manchester, very close to Manchester, borders it. Technically speaking, uh-huh. Old Trafford is in Salford. It's on the Salford Keys. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. So they bought Salford City, which are in like the seventh or eighth tier of English football. Yeah. And this doco, which has had four seasons now, has covered the five years and yeah. their rise through the ranks. So initially it was a, a BBC production and then I think they did the first two and then there was a little bit of a of someone going to pick the story up? Are people interested? Sky Sports, who Gary Neville works for, picked the story up and they, they kind of took over the production. It yeah. is a little bit rough around the edges and, and sometimes uh-huh. it gets a bit caught up in storylines that we're maybe not interested in. But as far as documenting the ambitions of this club to build a new stadium, which they have, go from an amateur football club to a full-time football club, which they have, get promoted, which they have, to get to the Football League, which is the first four leagues in England, the Premier League, the Championship, League One, League Two. They're in League Two at yeah. the moment. Right. 
it is such a brilliant fly on the wall documentary. The players that come and go, the managers, um, the overall ambitions of the club, the rebuilding of the ground. When you watch season one and you're like, they're literally playing, they're, yeah. a, they're a local football team, and you watch the latest yeah. season and they're playing out of a fully refurbished, fully renovated stadium. They're in the football league. They're playing against they, – they could get drawn. Like, they've done some FA Cup runs, but they can now yeah. enter, like, the League Cup. They could play Chelsea, Man City, Man United. Yeah. You know, uh-huh. and the long-term ambition of the club is to get to the Premier League. So, as a 7-up style, Roger Sp- – um, Michael Apted documenting their ownership of this football club and the journey they've been on for five years – it is yeah. fantastic. It's a really, really good watch. The two managers, um, Anthony Johnson and Bernard Morley, um, they're like non-league. They, they, they've managed a lot of non-league clubs and had some really good success. They managed the team for maybe three or four years um, for the, the yeah. majority of this documentary. If people love the fly-on-the-wall stuff in Drive to Survive, The Last Dance, The Test, these guys are on a different fucking level. You're going to have to link me. I'm keen. If anyone is interested, I have a Google Drive with with the episodes. They are nearly impossible to find anywhere else at the moment just because of they're on British TV and they, they haven't had a huge following outside of Britain, but I, I do have them. Um, there's, a, there's there's scenes where, like, you go into the change rooms at halftime and, and you've seen some pretty confronting stuff, you know, in those other docos I mentioned. Yeah. Their team talks are like, Wow. This is on camera. This is released. There's a bit where they're having a shocking first half and yeah. they walk into the change rooms and the first thing he says is, you're all cowards. And they're all sitting around hang dog, head in their hands type thing. <laughs> and then he goes, so, then he points, he goes, starting with you, number one, the captain, biggest of the lot. And you just go, that's, that's just another day. Yeah. The stuff that they give you is so raw. It's so real. It's so unfiltered. And if people love Sunderland Till I Die and all those other ones we mentioned, this is yeah. absolutely worth your time. Really, really, really good stuff. And you get to love the characters as well. Like there's guys that come on board and they're with the team for a few years and then the team outgrows them. But you get to really appreciate their successes and and root for them to do better and hold on and, and stay a part of the team as the team gets better. So, look, it's a fantastic watch. Um, a little bit like Harley Quinn, perhaps off the beaten track for most people but absolutely worth your time. If anyone is interested and you're listening to this, reach out to us on Twitter and I can um, hook you up with a link. Excellent. Um, so that's your – I like that. I'm, I'm definitely will watch. And, and it, <clears> at this chat. time too, like without wanting to labour the point, being in lockdown, um, you know, we've got six weeks of not really being able to do anything, not going to be a whole lot of new stuff to kind of consume. Um, there's – the four seasons, there's maybe 10 or 11 episodes, maybe, you know, over the course of about that 10-hour mark. So it's, it's something that you'll yeah. probably rip through if you're in lockdown and you'll hopefully find compelling enough to kind of go, I need to watch the next one. I need to watch the next one. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, like I said, if you're interested, um, hit us up on Twitter and we'll go from there. Love it. Um, so, my pick boy is also Docker. Ooh. Um, this, again, came up in my recommended. Don't know why. Um, but, uh, I guess before the, so it's basically, it's the story of blue, uh, 
Blue being the song by Eiffel 65. What the fuck? I was literally going to joke. I was going to say, what, the song? Dubba D, Dubba Die. <laughs> yeah, Dubba D, Dubba Die. Wow. Um, so it's done by Vice. It's currently it's got just under 4 million views. Um, it's in a series they call The Story Of. This is the third episode. I actually haven't watched one or two, or if there's a four or five, I assume there is, because this one came out March last year. Um, but, yeah, randomly came up. I go, oh, I got, and I had half an hour to kill before work. This one goes for 25 minutes. Watch this. And it's, like in the comment, in the comments, it's unbelievable, but it's not what anyone needed. Sorry. No, yeah. not at all. But not I'm what, intrigued. Well, not what anyone needed, but everyone wanted it. And then, like, someone in the comments go, I love how absolutely nobody asked for this. And honestly, it probably was a big risk and a lot of money. But Vice said, you know what, let's do it. And we all just love it. And nostalgia for some of us internet kids. And it's so true because it's such an iconic song. And everyone at some point in the last um, 20 years came out, 98, 99. So, yeah, 20, 21 years has had a phase, whether it be a couple months, a couple weeks, a couple of days, loving this song. You finally go, oh, shit, yeah. And it's and it's kind of been reignited again. I think it has picked up some views in the last couple of days because um, I'm unsure of your. I know your music taste, but have you heard of an Australian uh, electronic artist called Flume? Yes. Yes. So one or a couple of Arias, pretty big, kind of popped off 2011, 2012, and he's done a remix in his style of music to this song, and it. I personally love it. Um, it slaps the kids say these days um but this doco is just unreal it takes you through um the early days in blisco studios which is this kind of collective of djs and producers and um sound engineers in italy uh back in the 90s and it kind of takes you through the successes the downfalls of what they were doing and it was just a combination of three individual djs where they essentially um but they essentially, one heard a tune that the other guy was doing, and the other guy heard some li- like thought of some lyrics because he heard it. Uh, sorry, Sean's just No, I'm trying to find it. I am listening. Um, I've got I've got the single here somewhere. Oh, I've just, also got the um, follow-up yeah. single, "Move Your Body." <laughs> so, um, yeah. So it's basically it's just like a, you know how they constructed it, and then there's a little period of obviously there was a trio of them. Um, and how one of them kind of, kind of left to go to his own solo stuff. Um, oh, actually, there's a link down the bottom. It's the story of a Darude sandstorm. So I will be watching that stuff there. <laughs> That's one of the um, great internet memes. What's anyone yeah. know, anyone know <laughs> the name of the song? <laughs> what, what's the song? Darude um, um, But yeah, it's it's unreal. It's a really really good five minute piece. Obviously, Vice there. Yeah. You know, they're an esteemed media company. Vice do some um, cool stuff. Like, uh, like you, they do. Like I'm not, I'm not a fucking, I'm not a Vice mark. But have you seen their no. dark, dark side of the ring stuff? Yes. Their dark side of the yes. ring. I don't know the name of the, the the. There's a director that or a documentary filmmaker that makes these for Vice. So Vice aren't making them, but this particular no. documentary filmmaker. Funded. Yeah, um, makes these wrestling docos for Vice called Dark Side of the Ring. They are outstanding. And, yeah, and similar to what you were saying. a lot. Like, mm. we don't... Some of them, you're like, we don't need this. Do I need this? But then you're like, Jesus, this is no. really well done. No one needs it. <laughs> this guy, figuring out that he doesn't say, if I was greed, I would die, shattered my existence. 
<laughs> I like. Um, yeah. You know what really, I just really, hope. You know what really I just enjoyable. hope more than anything, Will. You know what I hope for the guys, the boys of Eiffel sixty five. They wrote this song, or created this song, which by no means a classic. However, yeah. for that for that brief little period, captured the attention of the world a little bit, like you know who let the dogs out. Yeah, the, Lou Bega, Mumbo Number yeah. Five, those little yeah. songs that captured the world in the palm of their hand for a little while. And you know what my hope for them is? I just hope you fucking made lots of money. Oh, hundred percent. You'd hope so, and then and surely they'd still be living off. Yeah, um, you know the royalties and whatnot. But like, I really just hope, like, you came out of it not angry that you didn't kick on or. That was your only hit. Just, I really just hope you come out of it being like, "Fuck, man, we made so much money off this that we don't have to worry about money ever again." Yeah, and like, there's this really nice bit at the start where they kind of it's just like intro. It's like a minute, minute and a half of kind of what the rest of the twenty-five minutes is going to be. But they played the melody on piano. Yeah, and it's almost it's like it's almost soothing to listen to because you know what it is mm. and you know. Yeah, it's just it's like, and you're like, and in your head, you're kind of like listening to that trancey electronic type music, but then it's just, yeah, it's just, it's a really, really nice piece. 25 minutes, super easy. I am going to watch um, that tonight. Yeah, highly recommend. And then, you know, if you're killing time, story of Darude Sandstorm. <laughs> a double bill, that's like Hot Rod and McGruber. Yeah. The Vice um, Story of Blue um, into the, is it, is it a Vice Story of Darude Sandstorm? Uh, the story of Sandstorm by Darude, uh, by Bart, yeah, it's cool. uploaded by Bart, so Bart explores it. I used to play, and, and that um, was 15 minutes. At uh, Princess Park, when Carlton used to play at Princess Park, they played Blue. Uh huh. Which they should have. They still should. Just, they should still do it. Much, like, but. there's so much. There's so. I remember sitting there thinking. Obviously, Will and I are survivors of the Carlton Football Club. Um, and sitting there thinking, there's, there's so much about it where you're just like, just lean into it. Because there's people who have seen us play at Princess Park who get the joke. Yeah, exactly. And like the silliness of it. No one's sitting here saying it's a great track, but it's like, just it was just it's just a bit of a throwback, a bit of fun to that period that people would remember. They used to play, I can never remember if it's the band was called The Music or The People, or the song was called The Music or The People. I think, I think the band is The Music and the song is The People. Right. But they used to play that. They used to play it every week at Princess Park, like when the team was, just before the team was kind of, or when they were warming up. And it was like, if you did that nowadays, there'd be a group of, like a pretty large group of fans that would be like, oh, I get it. Yeah, yeah. This is like Princess Park. Same as Blue. Yeah, I get it. It's like Princess Park. So it's a, it's a you know, the, and like through the town, it's always, it's getting to a point where it's almost overplayed, where it's like, Ugh. like, okay, it's... What, Blue? Song, but, Blue, no, no, uh, no, Sandstorm. Yeah, like okay. I was going to say, I haven't heard blue, fucking blue, blue in decades. No, nah, Blue is still that classic old school song that just, it like, I what, I started the first minute just before the podcast and like instantly I was like, I want to listen to this song again. <laughs> um, so, you yeah, know it is? highly like, recommend. It's, just, it's like, it's like a warm, like it's comfort food. It's like a bowl of warm porridge where you sit, like I, I have the same pangs of like that era. You sit there and you go, Aqua. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
like Aqua, that era. Yeah. And you think of the old, the old, uh, the, the old wives' tales, the urban legends that the girl from Aqua died. That was like one of the first internet um, yeah. urban legends, and he's all silly stuff uh-huh. like that. And you're like, for that little brief window, they had a couple songs. They had like Turn Back Time and Doctor Jones. What a banger! They had uh, obviously Barbie uh-huh. Girl. And just same as Eiffel yeah. sixty five. You're like, I just really hope you guys made shitloads of money. Yeah, they didn't get like done with some dodgy record yeah. deal or something. Yeah, that you just made all your cash and your time in the sun. Do you remember video hits? Oh, hundred percent. So video, that was channel ten, wasn't it? Yeah. So video hits used to do obviously yeah. Saturday and Sunday mornings, and then they do like yeah. the countdown of the most requested songs, and like yeah. being the number one on the Sunday video hits was like as good as it got. Yeah, 100%. Blue, Blue occupied it for a while. My Heart Will Go On. Yeah. That ruled the roost for quite a while. Um, mm. But that was just good times, good fun, like waiting for that countdown. And like I said, Blue was, um, for a period there, was like the biggest song in the world. Yeah. So, yeah, my number four, highly recommend if, you just, if you're interested in, you know, 20-year-old techno music, electronic music. Particularly, um, Euro- sure. particularly European, uh, like French-Italian yeah. Yes. Um, and, you know, it's not like we're speaking Italian either. We're just saying it's all in English. So no need to, you know, worry funny, about that. Like, when I was in 2018, when I was in uh, Europe and I was uh, in the in the Champs-Elysees, I went to the Adidas store, which is like mm-hmm. one of the best flagship stores I've ever been to. Like, it was just awesome. <laughs> like, you know, when you walk yeah. into a shop and you're like, I remember walking into this Adidas shop and they literally have everything they sell. And it, yeah. the idea is that this really expensive piece of real estate on the Champs-Élysées is literally, it's just yeah. a huge billboard. This is what we make. This is what we do. We're losing money yeah. hand over fist renting this store yeah. out. But this is this is our brand. Uh-huh. It was such an awesome store. Anyway, being in Paris, <laughs> there was a DJ like in the store and he was playing this like, Fucking fantastic, like light French disco. <laughs> like, <laughs> you're there just like. I was, I was, I was, I reckon I was in there for about five, five, six, seven minutes. And I'm walking around, and then I was like, he's just playing like instrumental, like dance, yeah, yeah, yeah. keyboard, electronic dance music. And I was like, uh-huh. this is fucking great. <laughs> I was like, what is this? <laughs> Trying to put your phone up. And I was, I was like, like Shazam, and I was like, this is, this is fantastic. And it kind of reminded me of, yeah, that Eiffel 65, that era of that. It was a bit more subtle, a bit more classy than the Eiffel 65, but it was, it was, yeah, it was amazing. It was funny that you, you're, this doco has just reminded me of that. But I will watch this doco. I'm looking forward yeah. to watching it because it Please. sounds great. Yeah, story of blue in brackets, double D. Just in case you didn't know what it was. So many people are like, what's that double D song? <sighs> yeah, big, big fan. Watch. That's when we act like it's we act like it's like Mozart, like it's fucking blue, right? <laughs> blue fucking double D. Is, would you and he's ask not great about, and he wouldn't die. Would you ask about about the ninth? Would you ask about the ninth symphony? No. <laughs> blue. <laughs> Don't want to ever hear you say double D again. Um <laughs> You had some strong ones this week. Would you want to recap what your what your four yeah. picks were for this week? So my picks were Jurassic Park one and two, which turned into Jurassic Park one, two, four, and five. They did. Um, so that was my first pick. Second pick, Extraction with Chris Hemsworth, just action thriller, blood and guts. 
Um, Hot Rod, <laughs> iconic, iconic movie. Uh, partnered with uh, MacGruber. And uh, the Blue, the story of Blue, Double Do, Double Die by Apple 65. Um, on the Vice's channel on YouTube. You've actually you've brought, some, you've brought some good ones to the table this week. So I think it's definitely my strongest episode. Yeah. Um, I really started with some shocking ones like Graves and uh, Big Brother. Awful. Is um, that still going? But Big Brother. Yeah. Yes. Wow. They had some big COVID thing a while ago, and you know I think they I think they sped up the game once kind of COVID hit, get rid of it, so people could still work and whatnot. Anyway, uh, yeah, they're in, lo- they're, in, they're in literal lockdown in a house. Yeah, they were, it's more about you know cameramen and not. So oh, if one man. cameraman gets it, then all the cameramen have to go home. Just have uh, fixed cameras. <laughs> um, so my pick of the week, purely for the fans, I really feel like your life will be wasted if you don't watch it. Hot Rod. Yes. Very, yes. very close second. Very close second the blue documentary. Yes. I was sitting there going, look, I wouldn't have been angry either way, but I was going, hot rod, come on. Got to be hot rod. Yeah. (laughs) That that whole, that whole, the idea that, yeah, he wants to get his stepfather, who he does love, life-saving heart surgery, so he can fight him and beat him, (laughs) is is just the most brilliant, like, plot device. Because it's so ludicrous. It's so well done. It's so great. Um, my picks, obviously, this week were Reunited Apart, Ferris Bueller, slash Ferris Bueller's Day Off, um, Biloxi Blues, Harley Quinn, and Class of 92 doco series. And mm-hmm. to be honest, I would recommend... Biloxi Blues is probably the odd man out in the sense that you don't need to rush out to give it a look. But everything else, I think, has got a cool... Um, should appeal to some people. So if you're yep. interested in them, definitely hunt them down. My pick of the week, however, purely and simply for how incredibly taken aback I've been by how good it is, is Harley Quinn. Yeah. Um, Lovely. Class of 92 is great. Sports docos, everyone's, they're all the rage at the moment. And uh, mm-hmm. you know, watch it if you if you like that stuff. But just from how, like, didn't know what to expect with Harley Quinn. I'd seen some good reviews, but to, to sit down and watch it and be like, wow, this is like fucking great. Yeah. And the sign will of a good show, watched episode one and went, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll go another one. Oh, that's all it did. Yeah, you yeah. don't want a space force where you just turn off. <laughs> yeah, you're like, we'll watch episode one. Yeah, cool, cool, we'll go another one. And then sort of went, oh, we'll watch yeah. another one. Um, so looking forward to, uh, I said, I've watched four of the 13 season one episodes and I'm sure I'll polish the rest off over the weekend and get into season two. So Harley Quinn, uh, cartoon series available somewhere. I don't know where, uh, give it a look cause it's worth your time. <laughs> uh, I think that's us, us done. William, is it? That is. Excellent. That is. Excellent. Uh, no more picks podcast. First mobile podcast done. Done in the books. Um, yeah, I was going to say something. I've forgotten Excellent. what it did. In between opening my mouth and having to say it, it was gone. Uh, so you can catch uh, Will, obviously, at two L's, two P's, two Y's, two E's. Two L's, two Y's, two P's, two E's. I thought I had it. Uh, so Willie P, uh, that's his um, Twitter. And it my is, handle on most things now. Yes, and uh, the PSN, if you want to... Um, Jump on Get that. Get out and play cod with your boy. Yep. Um, so you can find him there. I'm Sean Peterbudge, all one word. 
and my PSN, if you want to play COD World War Two Zombies, um, <laughs> just that one, just that one map that I've been playing for weeks is Checks <laughs> underscore Lemino, um, <laughs> which is one of Roger's aliases on American Dad. Uh, you can find me there. But no, thank you so much uh, for listening. Um, hopefully, catch you next been a week. Been pleasure. We'll catch you next week. Will sound like a plan. But I'll be here. I'll be here. Excellent. Thank you very much. We'll see you next time.